Well, hey there. It is hard to follow cute babies and families and videos of people serving like that. But here we are. Hey, this is week three of a series entitled Put Me In, Coach. And we are looking at the value of serving one another and serving with one another. And so thanks for being here. We're going to be walking through the, the chapter, chapter 12 of Romans. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that open. If you have a Bible app, go ahead and whip that out and you can get into Romans chapter 12. And so what we've seen so far is that when you become a follower of Jesus, you become a part of a team. And when you become a part of a team, you have a role to play. Nobody joins a team with aspirations of sitting the bench. Have you ever met anyone who said, oh man, I can't, I'm so glad I'm on the team. I hope I just sit here the whole time. No, no nobody, nobody does that. And in fact, what we've been seeing in this series is that Coach Jesus needs you on the field. And so there's one of two messages that I hope you hear today. Here's the first one. If you are already actively involved at serving at Hershey Free Church or somewhere in the community, some of you have put up things around the walls uh, back there. If you are already actively involved in serving, what I hope that you have heard for two weeks and again today is thank you. Thank you for making an impact on the kingdom of God. Thank you for getting involved. Thank you for being active and serving. I, I hope you hear thank you. Maybe you've never heard thank you. I, I hope you hear it from me today and from others. And thanks for putting on that wristband. It's exciting to serve with you and to be on the team with you. And now here's another message that I have for you. Maybe you're not involved in actively serving at Hershey Free Church or anywhere in the community or either one. Here's the message that I hear, have for you today. Coach Jesus wants you on the field. We have people in the game and they're tired and they're exhausted and they need a break. Some are injured, some are outnumbered and we need you on the field. And, and, and I realize that there may be some rare cases where you're already overloaded. This is not a good time. Uh, today's Mother's Day, for instance, if you, if you had a baby last week, you know, mom, just take the month off. It's okay. If, if you're a student at Hershey Med and you know, you're working 80 hours a week and you have boards in two weeks, you can disregard most of what I say today. However, for the rest of us, hey, let's, let's get in the game. Let's join the team. Put me in, coach. And I hope that that's the message that you hear today. Well, hey, let's open up our playbook. We call it the Bible and look at what coach Jesus has to say for us today. Uh, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read 9 through 18. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow, I don't know if you felt this when we were reading through that, but there are a lot of directives, a lot of commands in there. In fact, I counted up one day 22 different, I guess, commands that are in there. And maybe you have the same frustration that I have, that there doesn't seem to be a flow to it. It doesn't have, seem to have a natural feel. It's just a, a kind of random standalone commands that are related to serving one another or serving with one another. However, one thing is very clear. There's a title that sort of uh, encapsulates everything being said. It's the first four words. Love must be sincere. Say that with me. Ready? Love must be sincere. In fact, another way of translating that is you could translate that by saying love that is sincere will be 
and then you can reach off, read off each of these other 22 directives. Love must be sincere. And what we're going to see today, without question, is that love is the greatest motivator for serving. Love is the greatest motivator for serving. Now, to be honest with you, we could have used guilt. We could have gone with a, with a guilt trip, right? I could have shown you pictures on up here of staff members that are sweaty and tired and just exhausted. I could have shown pictures of the nursery in utter chaos and disorder. I mean, we, we could have used guilt. And why haven't you gotten involved and had you crying and stuff like that? But, but, but love is a much better motivator for serving. We could have used force. I guess we could have given you these serve cards and said, hey, before you have a seat, you've got to turn this in. Or we, we could have had some kind of requirement involved with, with this series or in, in becoming a part of the church. But, but we didn't go that way because sincere love is by far the greatest motivator for serving. And there's something else that he adds here. He says, in order to be motivated by love, that love must be what? Sincere. Perhaps you have a translation that says without hypocrisy. Love must be sincere. Now, before we go on, I feel I have a need that I need to confess something to everyone. I do not feel as though I am a very loving person. And and I don't say that as a joke. I don't say that in jest to hope to get some kind of response for you or to make you you smirk in some way. I, I honestly am saying that I do not feel that I am a very sincere, loving person. And in order to be fully transparent, I'm a pastor, I guess, you know, it's in the job description. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share an example of that. So we have a system in our church, and I kind of like the way that we do this. We have a pastor on call, and so we have a small handful of pastors, and then whenever someone calls into the church and it's after business hours, there's, there's an option on the phone directory, you know, dial four to, to contact the pastor on call, and whoever the pastor is that week, their phone will vibrate and, and the call will go to them. Well, a few weeks, it was about three weeks ago, something like that, the last time that I was pastor on call, and I always feel kind of funny being in that position. Well, my phone rang one day. And if I'm completely honest with you, when I saw the number, I knew that it was a pastor on call number. And listen, I know, I know intellectually, I know mentally that I went to school for this. I mean, I, I felt called by God to, 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 to do this pastor thing that I do. I went to preacher school. I mean, I, I know that I'm, I, I should be, this is someone who needs my help. They, they need advice, perhaps. They need a, a listening ear. They need someone to pray for them. They, they might need a visit that they might be going through a tragedy. I, these are the things that I should be thinking. However, what I was thinking was, oh boy. I just want to keep watching TV because this is really important. I mean, I, this is, and I, I, I feel guilty about it. I really, I'm, I'm not making a joke or getting a response. I really, I felt pretty disturbed with my own self. That guilt made me swipe the phone and, and you know, pick up, the, pick up the number and I'm talking on the phone and, 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 and I guarantee nobody in here was, was on that call. If you called in, I'm not talking about you. So uh, the, the person that called in and they just kind of shared, it, was, it had been a really rough week for them, a really bad day and, and uh, really um, kind of a tough couple of years for them, this person. And, and uh, he, he was just kind of going over some of the stuff, just needed someone to hear him out. And if, if I'm completely honest with you, the whole time, I just kind of wanted to get off the phone. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry that happened. Well, hey, let me pray for you. Bada bing, bada boom. Bloop. I, that, that's, that was kind of the emotion because, man, I'm watching a TV show. I want to get back to this TV show. And, and, and I hung up the phone, and I was thoroughly disturbed with my own lack of interest in this person. I was thoroughly annoyed at the person because I don't want to be that person that doesn't have sincere love, that just kind of fakes it because I'm a pastor and I know how to smile correctly. And, you know, I recognized after that that I had a bad moment of not having sincere love for this other person. But then I also recognize that I had these moments all the time. Because just, la- just the week after that, I was, I, w- I was reading through the newspaper. Yes, I read a physical newspaper. I know that's... So I was reading the physical newspaper, and, and, and I saw that the caption on the front page, it said that there had been a natural disaster, and several people had died. There were several injured. And, and, and in my head, 
I know I should have more compassion, but in my head I said, oh, that's sad. I wonder what Joe Biden said last week. And at, at that moment, again, I was thoroughly disturbed with myself. Am I really the kind of person that doesn't care at all about these people that have died and these people that have injured and there's all these organizations that have jumped in to help and donations being given. And I'm more concerned about one of the 30 guys running for president in a year and a half, had to say. And, and I was very disturbed. And I, here's the question I have. Can anybody relate to this? Have you ever been discontent with your own lack of sincere love? Have you ever been disturbed by not really caring about someone or something like you know that you should. Has that ever happened to you? I think if we're honest, all of us would, would agree that this has happened with us before. We've been alarmed with our own lack of sincere love at various times. Maybe you work in the medical industry and it's that patient that comes in and they just have a million questions. And you know, you know in your mind that this is like the worst day of their life and that they just had news hit them and they, and they didn't go to med school like you did and they have all these questions. And, but, but, in, but in your heart of hearts, you're just thinking, man, I just want to get out of the room. I want to clock this off, get my paycheck. I want to go. And, 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 and that just disturbs you. You wish that you weren't that kind of person. Or maybe it's that kid at school that's kind of odd. They sit by themselves. They don't have a lot of friends. They get picked on. And you know that you should be the kind of person that maybe not every day, but every now and then you sit with them or you try to befriend them or you tell people to stop picking on them. You, you know that you should be that kind of person, but in your heart of hearts, you don't really care like you, you know you, you should. Or maybe you're a parent and you get that email from the school, hey, we really need volunteers for such and such. And, and, and you know that in your mind, oh man, the, these are the kids, this is our next generation. These are the faculty that work hard for our kids for, for little things. I should be willing to jump in, but you really don't care and you really hope somebody else signs up. I mean, I think all of us have these moments of being pretty upset at our own lack of sincere love. Well, as I was looking at this text, those four words just kind of, grabbed a hold of me. Love must be sincere. And I believe there's something in this text that will help us with that. Here's, here's, here's the key that I want you to get from this. Love is the greatest motivation for service and for serving. However, sincere love will usually not come until after you have become involved in serving. Sincere love is the greatest motivation for serving. However, usually that love does not generate and does not happen and does not go on display until after you have already become involved and you have met people and you know their names and you've heard their story and you are in the mess. Once you, once you get involved in serving, that's usually when the, the, the sincere love comes around. And so that is what we are going to see today. And so I just, I just have a story that I want to share with you to kind of illustrate this point. So... Several years ago, our kids were younger. My son was about three years old, Iron, and then Juliet was about one, one and a half, something like that. And we were walking near this large pond. We're walking on this path, and we came across a turtle. I have a picture of, of, a, of a similar turtle, a little slider turtle, a little smaller than this, I guess. He was a baby. And so we come across this turtle, and so I put, hey, kids, look at the turtle. And, you know, we were from the, the, the inner city of Dallas, and so we don't see a lot of wild animals, maybe rats or something. But so, so we come across this turtle, and... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just kind of picking, picking on the turtle with the kids. And, hey, maybe he's playing hide-and-seek. Where's his friends? And, you know, we were just kind of joking around. And about two minutes went by, and Mom and Dad, we're ready to keep walking, right? Okay, that's because, you know, kids kind of get distracted by things easily. A flower. And so we, we were just, hey, hey, let's just keep walking. And, and then I heard the words, Dad, can I touch it? 
And against my better judgment, I thought, you know, I mean, you're not going to hurt the turtle. In fact, he has a shell that has been built for situations like this with toddlers. And uh, he's not going to hurt you. He's, not a, he's, he's, a, he's a slaughter turtle. He's not going to hurt you. And so against my better judgment, I said, yeah, yeah, you can, you can touch him. And so the kids take turns poking him and, you know, touching his little feet and watching his head come in and out and, and, and these kind of things. And then we began to go down a very slippery slope that no father wants to go down. Because then it was, Dad, can I hold him? Well, you're not going to hurt the turtle. The turtle, yeah, yeah, that's true. Fine. So they take turns holding the turtle. And then before I knew it, somebody had found this little plastic container that had been left for trash on the side. And, and they had scooped it up. And we were continuing our walk. And the turtle's with us. And I, I, I intended the turtle to stay where it was. But now the turtle is on the walk with us. And, and, then I, and then I heard the words that every dad dreads to hear. Let's name the turtle. Let's name him Crush, you know, after that beloved sea turtle from Finding Nemo, that Pixar movie that makes us all cry. And and listen, we all know it's easy to get rid of the stray dog, but it's hard to tell your kids you had to put Fluffy down, right? I mean, it's just when you name something, it's no longer a wild stray animal. It's, It's no longer has germs and stuff like that. It is a beloved member of the family. What do you mean we can't keep this thing? And so, so before I know it, I'm back in my minivan driving back into the city to my apartment. And I look over and there's Crush. <laughs> He's with us. We don't have a tank. We're going to find one. We're going to spend the money, you know, whatever. I learned a very valuable lesson that day. And here's, here's one that I want you to write down. Write this down. Names and faces change your perspective. Names and faces change your perspective. I wonder how many of us in here would say, you know what, I, I, used to, I, I was never really a baby person. I didn't like all the slobber and the crying and the diapers and stuff. But then when I held my first baby, oh, baby fever set in, right? I wonder how many of us would say, you know what, I used to be real skeptical of people that said they had mental health disorders. I thought it was just an excuse, but, but, but then I met someone who really struggled with anxiety and, and depression, and, and, and I heard their story, and I sat with them, and oh, my perspective has changed now. I wonder how many people in here would say, you know what, I used to have this idea that most people who are poor are just poor because they're lazy, they don't have good work ethic, and if you just apply yourself, then you can do anything, and and then maybe you went on a missions trip to Haiti with, with our church or something like that, or, or, or you saw some people that were in a dire situation. They worked incredibly hard, but they're never going to crawl out of poverty. Maybe, maybe your perspective completely changed. You see names and faces. Getting involved, that changes our perspective, doesn't it? And as we read through this text, we notice that there are situations of serving that aren't always a lot of fun to go through. For instance, in this text, he mentions blessing those who persecute you. He says, mourn with those who mourn. Now, I would venture to say that nobody in this building has ever woken up and said, man, this is a beautiful, warm spring day. I think I'll drive to the hospital where it's freezing cold and cry with somebody. None of us have ever said that. But when you, listen, when you sit with someone who is going through a horrible situation, you can't help but feel that empathy. You can't help but feel that compassion. You can't help but hold the tears back yourself because once we get involved in serving, that is when sincere love comes our way. You know, Nick, I'd love to get involved in serving, but I just don't really feel like I have a heart for it. Once you get involved serving, that is when the heart follows where you go. There's something that is assumed in this text, and it's that the readers, the original readers, were intimately involved in each other's lives already. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 10, Romans 12 and verse 10. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You see, if you read verses 9 through 18, you're going to see there's, there's 23 different participle verbs in there. And every single one of those is in the plural. There's not a single one that's in the singular. And if you don't know what that means, here's what it means. He's not saying you. He's saying y'all. He's saying we, we're in this together. We are serving together. We are serving one another. Love is the greatest motivation for service. However, genuine, sincere love usually will not come until after we have already become involved in the lives of other people. Involvement changes the problem. That's a second note you could write down that I've learned from this. Involvement changes the problem. You know, when I, when I first moved into town here and I, and I came on staff as a pastor, one of the first things I wanted to do and hit the ground running was, was to get to know some of the leaders in our church. And so I was booking all these meetings in the church and meeting people on Sundays, booking coffee and breakfast, things like that. And there was this one particular couple who was very involved. They were, they were high uh, leaders in our church. And I just had a hard time connecting with them. I mean, I sent them emails. They didn't really seem to respond. I would call them. I would leave voicemails. They didn't really seem to respond. And and then through the grapevine, I found out that they don't really come to church all that often. They come maybe every other week, usually less than that. And, and, and you, you know how when you don't know all the details, you fill in the, you fill in the blanks, usually with negative stuff because <laughs> you assume the worst. I, maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm a horrible person. I feel bad. So anyway, I, I'm filling in the blanks. And man, I can't, how did these guys get into leadership? They're unresponsive. They obviously don't care. Well, finally, I was able to get a hold of them, and it took forever to actually find a, a mutual time for us to meet. And I sit down with them. I'm meeting with them and say, hey, what do you do for a living? What's your workplace like? And they explained that they worked at, at Milton Hershey School. I said, oh, I've heard of the school. Tell me more about it. I'm new to the area. I don't really know much about it. They said they're house parents. And they began to go into all the things that come with being a house parent. Maybe some of you in here are house parents or you used to be house parents or you have family that, that do that kind of work. And I began to realize, oh, my goodness, that is an immense commitment and they were working like 70 hours a week and and they were they hardly ever had a weekend off that's why they couldn't attend church hardly ever because they were always on the clock and working and and I found out that this was not a job for them this was actually a ministry for them but they attended our church and were members of our church and wanted to actually lump on another act of service and that's how they got involved in serving and and the more that I got involved in that the more I understood that oh there's quite a bit more to this story this the, the problem has changed at this point it's because when we get to know someone and when we get involved with someone, that is what changes things for us. And so maybe you've had an experience similar to that. Love is the greatest motivation for serving. However, that love will generally not happen until we have sat down with someone, until we have interacted with someone, until we have joined that team and we have had that camaraderie and we have begun to work for Jesus. That is when the sincere love for building the kingdom together begins to come. Now, I want to point out something else, another assumption that's in this passage that it's hard, it's easy for us to miss because this was written 2,000 years ago and that world just doesn't exist anymore. So let's look at this with me. Romans 12, look at verse 15 through 18. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. <clears throat> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The Apostle Paul, as he writes this, he has an assumption that these people in this context, in, in, in this stay style of life, they are already intimately involved and know the people around them and are always around the other people that are around them. I'll give you an example. Look at, look at the command at the end of verse 13. He writes, practice hospitality. Now, what's tough for us living in the 21st century to really understand the depth of what he means by that. Because I live in Hershey, 
We have dozens of hotels. We have campgrounds. I can get on my phone and Airbnb something. I mean, we have, we have tons of options. In their world, this, this is just not their world. And so when he writes for them to practice hospitality, this means that if anyone ever traveled anywhere for any reason, somebody had to open up their home. You can't even sleep in your car, right? I mean, this is just, this is just a world that I can't quite identify with. People were very involved in serving and being a part of other people's lives. Look at verse 18. He says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You see, all of us have had those times where we are in contact with someone that, 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 that's really hard to get along with. But the reality is in our culture, if I don't like somebody, I can pretty much avoid them if I really want to, right? If I don't like my boss or my job, I like my boss. If I, don't, it, I, I can usually, I can find another job. Some of you may have had that situation. You just found a new job, right? But this is, this is not the world they lived in. If grandpa had a job, then my dad had the same job and I had the same job and my kids are going to, I mean, this is just, this is their life. You can't, you can't escape this. You see, you and I, we talk about work friends and neighborhood friends and family friends and church friends, and, and, and these friends don't meet these friends. And, and you know what, if I don't like this bubble, I can leave that, and I can go in on my meetup app and just find... I mean, this, 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 this is not the reality that they lived in. The way that we speak of isolation and privacy, this, just, this would make absolutely no sense to them. We can get an entire education online. I mean, we can send emails and, and never have these, these face-to-face interactions, but this, this was just not their reality. I mean, we, we, speak of, we speak of isolation like it's a very normal thing. Uh, you know, I had have, I have my quiet time this morning. It was good to have a quiet time. They didn't have a quiet time. They had a loud time, right? They don't have a copy of their own Bible. They met daily. They went to Susan's house, right? And they, they broke bread and, and, and had prayers and the kids were loud and, and they're, you know, they're doing communion. They're praying with each other. They, they didn't have a quiet time. There was, they didn't have a 20-minute commute in the car by themselves listening to Bon Jovi. I mean, this is, this is not... They didn't, they didn't have these, these interactions. I don't mean to be crude, but if you go to take a shower or something, usually you have this privacy, but they would go to a bathhouse. And, and unless you were really wealthy, you didn't have your own room. I mean, there were family rooms. It was just, this, this is just not the, the world they lived in. They didn't have their own personal backyard like they do. All the kids were just always together. You were always with your, this is just their life. And there's, there's assumptions in the text that we just, we just can't really identify with. They were always together. And it's, it's easier and sometimes it's more difficult for us to become involved in other people's lives and to get involved serving with other people because this is just a different world that they live in. And so there's an assumption here. Sincere love is the greatest motivator for service. However, sincere love usually will not develop until after you have become involved in serving. Until you see those faces, until you meet those names, until you hear those stories, until you get involved, that is when sincere love will follow that. Here's a question that I want to give for you this morning. What will you do with this? What's your next step? How, hey, ask yourself, how can I move from attending church to be in the church? How can I get plugged on into the team? That sincere love will not develop until after you have gotten involved. How, how, what is my step? How will I get involved in serving at Hershey Free Church or in the greater community? And so here's a step that our staff kind of put together for you. I want, to, I want to point this out for you. Go ahead and whip out this serve card. It was placed in your bulletin. If you already filled it out, that's awesome. But, but go ahead and whip this out. I just want to point this out. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time as staff kind of talking about how can we get people plugged in. And we, we kind of came to this being a good solution. Just why don't we just have people put their name and maybe a contact phone number or an email on here and, and then check a box and something they're interested in. And then we can pair them with a ministry director or a pastor on staff or something like that. And you know what? We have a couple of men's groups at our church. One of them meets on Tuesday morning. 
uh, good group of guys. I saw Tim back here somewhere. He, he, yeah, he goes to that group. And we actually bounced the question around and said, hey, hey, what, what is a hesitation that people have to, to jumping in, getting involved, getting a part of a team and serving? And, and somebody said, you know, I think fear is something that can keep people sometimes from getting involved. Maybe it's a fear of messing up. If, if that's a fear that you have, I would just say, join the team. You know, we, we all mess up. Maybe it's a fear of, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the answer. If somebody asks me a question or needs something, I'm not sure if I'm going to be competent. And, and I would just say, again, join the team. We, we have t-shirts that say, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, this is just, this is a part of following Jesus. This is part of the journey. In fact, my four-year-old, my four-year-old daughter asks me questions all the time about God. And I have no idea how to answer her. This happens all the time. And I went to school for this stuff. I mean, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's uncertainty. Somebody else said, you know, I think uncertainty, just, just the fear of the unknown. Just, I'm not sure where to start or, you know, I'm worried about throwing off my work-life balance. Hey, again, join the club. Uh, we have t-shirts that say, I don't know where I'm supposed to go next. I mean, we just, this is just part of it, a fear of logistics. You know what? May, maybe some of you, you say, you know what? The reason I don't serve is because of the staff. Maybe the staff dropped the ball. I signed up before and nobody contacted me or somebody dropped the ball or I had a bad experience and I would just say that if I'm the problem or, or somebody on staff here is the problem, I'm, I'm sorry for that. We make mistakes too. We drop the ball. Remember I talked about making mistakes when you try to get involved serving Jesus. We do it too. We're not professionals. I mean, those of us who stand on stage here, we're just, we're just trying to, to serve the king and, and, and give the devil a run for his money and build the kingdom as much as we can before we pass away. And, and, we're, and we're making mistakes and dropping the ball too. Don't let a bozo like me get in the way of you serving your church and your God. Okay? Don't, please, don't, please don't let me be the reason. I'd, I would just say, give, give this a second chance. And man, I tell you, I look at this card and, and I look at each of these ministries and, and there's all these stories that pop up. In fact, I want to do something. I want to recognize some of you who you're already wearing your wristbands. If, if you were wearing a green wristband or if you left it on your dresser this morning or forgot to pick it up, that counts too. If, if you're involved in adult ministries or in a group ministry, if, you, if you're a leader in that way or serve on a team there, would you, would you stand up? If you belong to the green team and you are serving on a team, I just want to thank you. Please remain standing. Remain standing. I want to say thank you for owning your environment, for connecting people, for being that small group leader, that connect group leader, that support group leader, that whatever it is. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Deb was telling me we have 175 people, not in a small group, but serving in some way in adult ministries. That is incredible. That is incredible. Green team, would you please stay standing? I want to have some others join you. If you're wearing a white wristband or, or, or perhaps you're on a care ministries team, would you join these people and would you stand as well? There are a ton of people serving in care ministries. This is special needs, visitation ministry, counseling ministry, compassion ministry. We have financial coaches. I mean, you guys are serving those who are, who are hurting, those who are distressed, those who don't know what's next. So thank you for everything that you do. We have 125 volunteers within care ministry. I mean, good gracious. Thank you for serving. Would you please remain standing? If you're wearing a gray wristband and you serve on core ministry, some of you are already standing because you're wearing five or six. So, but would you join us in standing if you have a gray wristband on and you serve in core ministries? I see Nick and Elise over there. Thank you for doing that. Hey, Generation Z. Generation Z is here and they're serious about serving Jesus. I mean, two weeks ago, three, whatever, four weeks ago, we baptized 30 only teenagers who were serious about serving Jesus and none of that would have been possible without the 50 plus volunteers we have in core student ministries. 
Hey, this is another big one. If you're wearing a blue wristband, would you stand up? If you're, if you're part of our guest care team, we have 250, 250 volunteers who serve on guest care. And these are the people who recognize that there are people coming to church today who haven't been in a long time. And the first three or four faces they're going to meet are these awesome looking people in blue t-shirts with blue wristbands. Thank you for serving, whether it's an usher or whether you're standing in the pouring rain directing traffic or, or, you're, or you're on the, 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 the greeting team, whatever that is. Thank you for serving in there. Hey, some of you are wearing yellow wristbands. Would you stand if you serve on the Kid Step team in the nursery or 45? You can stand up. 170 volunteers within Kid Step alone that are wearing yellow wristband. That's not including the core and the summer programming, so thank you for serving in there. If you're wearing red, would you stand up? This is our Beyond the Walls team. We have a global ministry leadership team. We have alpha teams that meet. We have uh, groups that go off on missions trips, and you guys lead those. Thank you. Thank you for serving the King by being a part of this team and being on this church. We also have those uh, people behind me and also in the crowd, too, that have black wristbands and orange wristbands. You're on the worship team. You're, you're in the sound booth and doing audiovisual and helping with the videos and the mics, and, and you're on the communication team and making videos, and, and thank you for serving. If that's you, would you stand up as well? And there's a lot of colors that, that we couldn't include, and there's more of you that, that have colors we couldn't include. If you're wearing a purple wristband, would you stand up as well? Because we recognize that there are people serving outside of the church that on these back walls, I, I looked at a ton of them. There's Bethesda Mission, there's Jubilee Ministries, there's People Movers, Love Inc., Safe Families, Milton Hershey School, uh, LD School District, Adoption Fellowship. There's tons of ministries outside of this church that I may not even know about that you are serving. And if you're wearing purple, would you stand up? Thank you. Thank you for serving. And I would just say, We'd love to have you join the team. I mean, imagine, imagine the impact we could have on Derry Township if we had 100% participation in serving the church and the community. Imagine if everyone said, hey, put, put me in, coach. I, I, want, I want to jump in the game. I want to jump on the team. I'd encourage you to just check a box and, and talk to somebody about that. With the rest of you, would you please stand with us as we sing this song to our great God?